Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Guys Without Helmets. Wildcard Weekend 2023 is in the books. Man, there was super, super, super. What's up with super? Why do we add super? Because we changed things around or 17 game season. Why is it super? Why can't it just be wildcard? Is it super divisional? Super conference? No. Super Bowl? Super Bowl. Is everything just super now? NFL's lost their mind. Hey, 49ers lost their mind. 41-23 over Seahawks. First half, the tail of the game. Pretty tie ball game. Gino looking like his MVP. That's a joke, people. Self. And uh, afterwards, the 49ers put in overdrive. Josh, what do you think about this game? Pretty exciting game for the 49ers if you're a fan. Yeah, I think it's a great game for the 49ers. And you saw Brock Purdy and his stat line. Uh, one of the better rookie uh, games in the playoffs, uh, especially with what he put up in his stat line, what, 300-some yards, four touchdowns. It was a great game, obviously, from him, and they really bounced back in the second half, as you said. Yeah, I mean, obviously the 49ers, they've been the best team in the NFC for the past month, it feels like, since Jalen Hurts got injured. So it's going to be hard for the next team to come in there, Dallas. It's going to be a difficult thing for them. I think we can talk about it in a little bit, but the 49ers... Best team in the NFC, it doesn't matter who's starting a quarterback. It seems Brock Purdy's been on a tear. He had three touchdowns, 300 yards in this game, and a rushing touchdown. So he's been great in the system. Maybe he's just a system quarterback. He was in college, but he's been mistake-free, and it's been great. Yeah, I totally agree. The My challenge is kind of like when we had the conversation about the Eagles earlier in the year that because of their schedule, kind of hard to tell who they are. Purdy looks amazing. I'm not going to take anything away from him, but he is a rookie, first year in the systems. Uh, he's on a tear, like you said. Just doesn't know how to gauge him yet. I like to think, Josh, that he's the type of guy that because we haven't seen anyone put significant pressure on him, that he is a person who can potentially feel pressure like any other quarterback and start to make mistakes. I mean, is that something that you think can happen with this guy? Yeah, and I think, as you said, I mean, they haven't really played a ton of amazing defenses. They have uh, played mistake-free football. Obviously, you don't expect that from a rookie regardless of who they're playing, really, in their first year. But, um, they definitely get a good matchup against the Cowboys. They put a ton of pressure on Tom Brady. We know Tom Brady doesn't uh, usually get sacked, and we know he delivers the ball very quickly, the fastest fast. in the league, uh, still at his age. And uh, a lot of that is because he doesn't want to get hit. So it doesn't speak <laughs> about the pressure as much as, obviously, Fear the result. Yeah, you don't see the result in sacks. But a matchup like the Cowboys is certainly the hardest one that Purdy will probably face this year defensively. Yeah, and I think that's the uh, in having some conversations since the weekend's over. 49ers have been top in defense, top in offense. I think the only team that's been statistically in that conversation with them, sacks, defense, offense, has been the Dallas Cowboys. So I hope they want them because they got them. Let's, let's talk about that. The, the last game, which was odd to have a Monday night football game in the super wild card weekend, Dallas Cowboys came out intentional after a couple three and outs, uh, both on both sides of the ball. Dallas, the score doesn't tell the record. Dallas dominated this at every aspect. Surprised, Caleb? A little bit, but um, as we saw, Tom Brady, they just got their center back, I believe, off of IR. First game he's played, is it all year? Yeah. 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 First game all year. Off season. Obviously, a lot of rust there. Their O-line's been pretty banged up regardless, so it was a change on the O-line, a big change it seemed because Tom Brady was pressured the entire Entire game. He did not look good. Mike Evans, I believe, only had 50 yards. Chris Godwin was their best receiver outside of the running back. So, Kate Otten actually had a good game, mm-hmm. rookie tight end. But a lot of dump offs, a lot of throwing it away, a lot of mistakes from Tom Brady. He threw a pick in the end zone, which he hasn't done, and like 140 um, playoff snaps, which is crazy in the red zone because he's been there for 40 years of yeah, his life, I mean, it seems. But <laughs> forever. He made a mistake there, so it was just sloppy football from the Bucks. Tom Brady had no time. He was skittish. Obviously, you don't want to get hit. Mm-hmm. 
So it was just a bad game overall for the Bucks. Josh Lenny didn't get a lot of snaps. They went with the young guy. Uh, what's the tale with the running game for the Bucks? I mean, what what yeah, what was that? It's been a bottom rushing game overall in terms of rushing. Obviously, they have a lot of stats from receiving yards and receptions and stuff like that. If you have both either guy, either of the guys, Rashad White or Fournette, in fantasy, you know the receptions are really what gets them their points. Mm-hmm. Um, rushing game, obviously, has just not been good. And uh, they were behind in this game, obviously. Both teams started off pretty slow, but the Cowboys easily took the lead, and uh, it really points to them just not being able to rush. They had to really throw the ball to get back against this team. And then obviously, the Cowboys' pressure was really good. And uh, I don't I don't necessarily think Tom Brady has completely fallen off, but it's not quite as good as it was. And obviously, with all the pressure, he is skittish, as Caleb said, trying to deliver the ball uh, very fast and not get hit at all. So I think a lot of that points towards that versus the actual talent of the team. And uh, obviously, the offensive line situation is just has not helped them all season. And um, obviously, ending out right now, you basically, the hope of the Buccaneers offense has been flashes. Like you saw the Panthers game with Mike Evans and his three touchdowns and uh, 200 plus yards. You see the flashes and it gets you hopeful for what this offense could be like it was uh, two years ago when they won the Super Bowl. But uh, just consistency wise, they were not able to string it together all season, obviously ending with a negative record while still making the playoffs. So it really just speaks to how bad the division was. And if they weren't in the NFC South, obviously they wouldn't be in the situation. But um, yeah, just a bad way to finish out for them. Yeah, and I guess this was a matchup that I, I, you guys know I was pretty pessimistic about the Cowboys' chances only because it's tough to beat Brady at home, um, you know, and it's Tom Brady for Pete's sake, so it was a tough one. I guess they got exactly what they needed. Dallas got the game of the century out of Dak Prescott. Finally showed up is what it took. Running game was balanced. Everybody got a little action. CD was slow starting, but once he got rolling, he had some big plays. Is this the Dallas Cowboys you look to see against the San Francisco 49ers? Let's talk about that a little bit, or is this an anomaly? I think it's going to be a close game just because it's two top defenses going at it. Uh, Brock Purdy has been playing perfect, so it's hard to see. He hasn't really made mistakes outside of a few bad throws here and there, but that's pretty normal for a quarterback. Mm -hmm. Throws 40 times a game. But uh, I think that Dallas, the pressure that they give on to the quarterbacks is going to be hard for Brock Purdy, I think. They're going to make it difficult. They're going to blitz a lot, force him to throw deep because they are kind of a dink and dunk team. I know Mm -hmm. a majority of their touchdowns are over 40 yards, that's because you have players like George Kittle and Debo for a few games when he was healthy and Brandon Ayuk and all these guys that can rip the field open, especially Christian McCaffrey. We all know how good he is, but I haven't seen Brock Purdy really air it out other than a few times, and I think that forcing him to make the harder decisions, the harder throws, is going to be the way that the Cowboys have a prayer winning this game. And we'll see how the pressure does against the Cowboys' offensive line. It's kind of been all over the place. They have played very well with Tyler Smith at guard, uh, which a lot of people thought he should have been originally anyways. He started out at left tackle, but Jason Peters came in and is now filling in at left tackle with Tyron Smith at right tackle, who traditionally plays left tackle. So it's all over the place. But getting back Tyler Biotis and all of that was a lot better in this game, obviously, for them with the week they had versus the Commanders. Um just in comparison there. But uh, hopefully against this team, I think Jason Peters might be good to go. He did get banged up. He is older, obviously. But uh, we'll see if he'll be able to fare up well against Nick Bosa in this matchup. Yeah, so let's break this down a little bit, and we'll, we'll break it down as we go. Since this is our first matchup, Dallas will be visiting San Francisco on Sunday the 22nd at 6.30 p.m. Let's go ahead with our bold predictions. Uh, you already, I think, touched it for me. I think if it comes down to quarterbacks uh, – Dak doesn't play like this every week, so I'm a little skeptical. To be honest, I think Purdy's had a better stretch than Dak has. But Dak being a veteran, being hungry, I think Dak plays this way. So uh, humor me for a second. If Dak plays lights out, Purdy plays 
the way he's been playing. How's this game going to play out? Or just give me your impression of how it's going to play out. I think it's going to be close. Like I said before, defensive game. I think the Niners have obviously a great defense. They're top two in every stat, depending on what the stat is. They're a top defense in the league. One of the top offenses in the league. One of the better coaches in the league. Arguably coach of the year, depending on who you ask. Mm -hmm. Um, Dallas is in the same boat. Defense has been lights out. Micah Parsons has really been... He's leading the league in sacks still, I believe. Is that right? Mike uh, Parsons? No, it's Nick Bosa. Oh, it's Nick Bosa. Yes, yeah, so, so, <laughs> so he's two the of other the top, side of the ball. Two yeah. of the top sack leaders in the league going against each other. I think the better O-line wins this game. I think it comes down to that, actually, because the weapons on both sides are stacked. Defenses on both sides are stacked. Everything's stacked. Quarterbacks have both been playing good. I know Dak's had a bad stretch for about a month or so. Two weeks ago, he played the worst football game I've seen him play as a professional. Three or four interceptions, I don't remember. It was a high amount in the Terrible. rain in yeah. Washington. So he really bounced back this week. Looked very good. Looked It was basically perfect. He had a 143 passer rating, which is almost as high as it goes. So great quarterback play. I think it comes down to the offensive line, whoever can stop the defenses. Yeah, and looking at Brock Purdy's starts in the NFL, he's had 30-plus points in every game except for one, which was the Seattle game a couple weeks ago. Uh, obviously, that's... That's a high mark for a guy like Brock Purdy, 30-plus points per game. But that's what they've been doing with the playmakers that they have. So if Dak has to play, not like last week, because last week you can argue to be his best game in the NFL in his career, five passing touchdowns, 80% completion, high amount of yards. Um, If he can play like that, mistake-free, not necessarily that stat line, but um, he might have to match pretty high, at least in the running game. They need to get more touchdowns out of their running backs in this game to balance that out. And uh, I think they could beat the 49ers if they just have mistake-free football because, I mean, I know Dak leads the league in interceptions, but no one really talks about the amount of times that he's hit his receivers in the hands and it's bounced off and resulted in an interception. So he's had a bad year, obviously, in terms of interceptions, but there is some sort of context going into that. And if they don't have those type of mistakes from the uh, big-time receivers in this Mm -hmm. game, it'll be a lot closer than people are probably projecting. What's the odds? uh, Here's my hope as a Dallas Cowboys fan, that they get pressure on Purdy. And because if we put the amount of pressure, Caleb, agree or disagree, they put the amount of pressure on Purdy that they put on Brady. And Brady arguably still has the fast release, still doesn't want to get hit, probably gets rid of the ball as fast as anyone ever has. Uh, is this a liability for the 49ers? Well, obviously. I think he's a rookie quarterback. He's he's played some decent teams, but not front sevens like Dallas has. Mm-hmm. He's played Seattle twice. He's played not the teams like Dallas yeah, defense. I was so. say he hasn't seen a defense <laughs> like this. Yeah. So this is going to be the hardest matchup for him. If he comes through this game and plays perfect football, then obviously he's legit. He's a great quarterback. But I think it's going to be hard for him. They're going to make it hard for him. It, Dan Quinn's going to make it very difficult for this guy to play. And I think that's the, the best way to go because Christian McCaffrey, he's going to get his regardless. So stopping the deep – or start, forcing the deep ball, rather, would be the best thing in my opinion. One thing I'm very excited to see, mm-hmm. and this is a dumb storyline, but <laughs> Brett Maher went from being an offensive player of yeah, the month a couple months ago. That was my ago, next question, yep. And he ended up missing five kicks in this game, or five straight because he missed one the game prior. But he's been playing very bad mm-hmm. the past two weeks. But he's still a top kicker in the league. He's one of the top scorers this season. And they, they also signed Tristan Vizcano from, I believe he's on the Chargers practice squad, right. to their practice squad. So Just Dallas, pressure on Dallas trying to put pressure on him. And if Brett Maher can, in my opinion, what they should do is just start Brett. If he misses another kick, then start the other guy, bench him. But I think it put some pressure on him, force yeah. him to be good. There's someone in the building who can kick right. if this guy decides to go right. blank. Do you so, think Josh an anomaly, or is he really bad right now? I think, I mean... 
uh, for whatever reason, Mike McCarthy has kickers that just missed 10 times in games <laughs> for whatever reason. If you remember that uh, Crosby game a couple of seasons ago, yeah. they stuck with him, and obviously he's uh, he's paid out. He's still the guy that he was. So I think it's an anomaly. I know Maher in his whole career really hasn't been a starter. He hasn't been like a reputable guy up until the last couple of seasons. And uh, obviously he's really good this year. He had 60-yard field goals, 50-yard, uh, 50-yarders to win games. And he only missed three, I think, extra points the entire season. Uh, this is the worst kicking game by anybody in the playoffs. So to me, it's an anomaly. Uh, maybe he's still in a bad stretch going forward, but I don't think you should totally bench him. But in an important situation, if he does miss next game, then yeah, bench him within that game. Yeah, I think kicking, I've never done it, but I'm assuming it's <laughs> you get one shot. So yeah. it's like golf, it's like bowling, it's like tennis, arguably. You get mm-hmm. one shot. If you're flat, you're just bad. You can be the best player in the world and you're flat, you have a bad day. But you've played tennis and you've you've um, you've been in tournaments where your serving is just off. Does it stay in your head and it ruins you or do you overcome it? I mean, most of the time people overcome it. Yeah. So That's I don't think thing. Brett Maher is bad. He was obviously, he was the offensive player of the month, I believe, sure. one month. One of the higher scorers in the league yeah. as a kicker. So I don't think it's him. I think it was just a bad day. Bad situation. Maybe the pressure got to him, but hopefully he gets over that for this next game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what an opportunity for Tristan to come in if they do give him the spot to basically be a free agent on a team that didn't make the playoffs and come and be the guy on a potential Super Bowl winning team. That's got to be one of the better opportunities. It's very Dallas Cowboys to be down 30 31. This kicker comes in and shanks it. You know what I mean? Like, it's very (laughs) Dallas Cowboy of the 90s and 2000s. All right, let's stay in the NFC. The 49ers, Seahawks, not much to talk about there. First half looked like a balanced game. Second half, we said the 49ers walked away with it. Anything you want to add to that before we move on? We all know the 49ers should have wiped the floor at the Seahawks. Yeah, I mean, Brock Purdy's playing well. He's not having interceptions, but there were, just to speak on the game, not to discredit him or anything, but he did have passes that... Uh, easily could have been intercepted. He did have throws that were not exactly placed well, but they did result in a catch and other things like that. So I think if the Cowboys just can refine and play up on defense and take advantage of those opportunities that the Seahawks didn't, obviously it would be much closer than the Seahawks game. So there's big opportunity there with a rookie quarterback, obviously. And as we stated several times, the, the pressure is going to be the largest amount of pressure put on Brock Purdy, uh, obviously situationally and against this defense. Okay, I have a question before we talk about Brock uh, Purdy. As far as Gino, earned enough to be the starter next year? I think, obviously. I know there's a lot of jokes about <laughs> facial reconstruction, <laughs> yeah. however you want to say it, about the guy. I know he's been in the league for, I think, eight or nine years now. Mm-hmm. He was on the Jets. He's been on multiple teams. He sat behind Mark Sanchez. He sat behind people like Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers. Um, who else? A lot of other people. A lot of other people. Yeah, just recently, I think, Herbert. Yeah, Justin Herbert. He sat, he sat behind a bunch of good quarterbacks with a lot of good coaching systems, so... If you sit behind Russell Wilson and Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers, you should develop as a quarterback. So it looks like that's what happened. hes I don't think he's always been this good. He's clearly developed into this guy, into this system with Pete Carroll, and the system fits him perfectly. He's been playing very good. He has over 4,000 yards, 30 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, a 3-1 to one touchdown to interception ratio, 100 passer rating, throws almost 70% at 69% completion. So very good season. I, I don't think it's an anomaly. I think he's just... This good. He's not amazing. He's Finally not great. Matured. He's a franchise quarterback. He's developed into that after ten years in the league. You should. That's that's the yeah. goal of grooming backup quarterbacks and having good systems and good coaches. So he's a product of a good system and getting coached up by a bunch of good players around him. Yeah, we prefaced his stat lines before the season to kind of see if he was going to be a guy like this. And obviously, what he put on paper before this did not tell us anything. That or tell us or lead us on to the fact that he could play like this. I think I don't know if this is the correct stat, but I remember talking about it earlier in the season. 
he only had like seven games with uh, two or more or two touchdowns even uh, going into this season. So he wasn't playing well, obviously. That's why he rode the bench for so long. But hopefully they found their guy in Geno Smith. Obviously, I don't think you can go to find another guy when he led the league in completion percentage. He had 4,300 yards, 30 touchdowns. Like he played like a top 10 quarterback. And uh, you're kind of just hoping he can continue to do that. So whether they get a project or not to sit behind him, kind of like what Geno Smith turned out to be into the season. Uh, maybe they do that, but obviously I think you keep him going into the next season. Yeah, correction. He was on the Jets under Sanchez, then he was under Eli. He was under the Drew Brees for a preseason, I believe, so it didn't count as a season. Then he went under Phillip Rivers and the Chargers and then under Russ for three years. So he's been around with a bunch of good guys. Yeah, and in fairness, last year he didn't get a lot of time, but 68% passing, 702 yards, five touchdowns, one pick. I mean, that's maybe a preamble that we didn't see coming well, because yeah, he I definitely think, did that. And I think during those games, it was kind of more of a game management thing because yeah. he did end up, I think, losing every single one of those games. I remember the Steelers game. He didn't really have all of his weapons. He had Alex Collins starting in that game as well. So maybe it wasn't pointing with all the talent that he had or we couldn't see the full effect of his talent with the lack of talent during those games. But uh, certainly we could have looked at that a little bit more. Yeah, no doubt. So as far as matchups go, then, the other side of the, the ball is going to be simple. The Eagles sat out. They got to watch the New York football Giants and the Vikings. Wasn't quite prime time, but Kirk Cousins didn't get it done, or should, we shouldn't be blaming Kirk Cousins? I wouldn't blame Kirk. I believe he still threw 60%. And he had over 300 yards, multiple touchdowns. I don't think it was his fault. The last play everyone's joking him for, when all your guys are covered great and you don't have much time, you get, they sent the farm at him, he's getting blitzed, he has to make a quick decision. He's thrown to his best matchup of the day, and that's Hawkinson against the corner. Hawkinson had over 140 yards this game. He was the best player in this game. I'd be more worried about Justin Jefferson disappearing. I know he got the stats, but he'll make two big catches and not make a difference in some games. I know obviously everyone's going to joke me and say the Bills game, he was the reason why they won. But Kirk Cousins, 31-39. 273, two touchdowns, both to TJ Hawkinson. So that last play everyone's critiquing him for was a check down to TJ Hawkinson. So Yeah, he also got that rushing uh, sneak as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so every touchdown was scored by Kirk Cousins. But the TJ Hawkinson thing, this is just my mindset. If the guy is destroying his matchup all day and everyone's covered, you throw a safe out and you take TJ Hawkinson. All he has to do is shed one tackle. It's a first down. They go and win that game. So I think... I, I don't think he made a bad decision there. Yeah, I mean the argument is uh, you're six five two forty seven against a two hundred pound six foot one you know corner, and you throw it a little bit short. He ran the route that he wanted to run, and you make a play. I think what happened is whether the ball was late or the guy got there a little early, he didn't have a chance to really stiff arm push off. But yeah, you're right. I'd say that the guy that big should be able to make a play. I think the other tail. I mean, if he threw it deep and threw a pick, it'd be even worse for him. So I mean, he's nearly perfect. You said thirty one for thirty nine. He ran a touchdown, a two hundred seventy three. I mean. I agree. You can't blame him. Justin Jefferson was clearly game-planned out. They must have put body on him all day, Josh. Is that a testimony to this defense? Oh, yeah. The secondary uh, just played very well. I I mean, I don't know if they're going to play like that against the Eagles with the multiple of receivers that they have. That's why you saw such a big game out of Hawkinson, not a wide receiver. Uh, You saw him being more open. But obviously, Adoree Jackson coming back in this game, arguably their best corner, came in and had a fantastic game against Justin Jefferson. And that's why you saw the results from other guys in this offense. Now, Caleb, um, Daniel Jones outrushes Saquon Barkley. He seemed like he was running every other play. He had two times the carries, too. Is this this a testimony to the offense or his style of play? No, I think the Vikings scheme to stop Saquon and Daniel Jones, luckily with Brian Dable with the system, and Daniel Jones being as mobile as he is, I know people like to say sneaky fast, whatever the term is for 
people that are taller like Josh Allen that don't look like they can get it done, but he, he gets it done. He's pretty quick. He's good at running the football, obviously. So I think the scheme for the Vikings was just to stop Saquon Barkley. They clearly did that. I think he only had like 30 yards or something like that rushing. He had 50 yards, my bad. 50 yards rushing. So they kind of stopped him. But what I really want to talk about is the emergence of Isaiah Hodgins. Yeah, who's this? He's a guy that was <laughs> drafted to the Bills last year with Brian Dable while he was there. He had an ACL injury in the preseason before the, the season even started last year. So he wasn't able to play. And he kind of came over with Brian Dable when Dable came here this year. And he seems to be legit. He had eight catches, 100 yards, and a touchdown in this game. Was the deciding factor in this game. And he's been playing great. Every week he gets better. Yeah, and I think looking at the draft class from last year, he was relatively well-known as like a sleeper-type guy, someone you can get later that might have or has good talent but could be drafted later and actually get results, kind of like a late-round guy or late-round sleeper, as I said. Um, he had a fantastic game in the preseason, I think, I believe, against the, against the Colts. You saw it, like, it was like a crazy game, like 15 receptions or something, and uh, they ended up winding up cutting him, and uh, obviously familiarity with the coaching staffs, so the Giants picked him right up, and he's been their best guy. So he's been clutch. He's been very productive, and if you've watched the games, he's looked very good. So. So Giants pull off the upset, 31-24, Vikings are eliminated, Bucks are eliminated, Seahawks are eliminated. That sets up the Saturday 8-15 game, the Giants against the Eagles. Let's unpack that one a little bit. Uh, is the quarterback in Philly rested or rusty? I think he's been he's completely cleared for the first time in the last couple of weeks, so should be good to go. Yeah, I think the Giants, Brian Dable, he's been a great coach. He's beaten some teams no one thought that he could beat. I don't think anyone on NFL Network when we were watching the pregame picked the Vikings to win this. Or everyone picked the, the Vikings. Yeah. Sorry, mm-hmm. no one picked the Giants. I did last week though. You did. Say. You did. But um, I think that Brian Dable has been watching film on on the Eagles since before they played the Vikings. I think. I think that the we already talked about this before that the chemistry or whatever it's called the game plan to beat mm-hmm. the Eagles is to stop the run mm-hmm. and run on them, slow down time of possession, keep all the time of possession for yourself. So I think with Saquon and with Daniel Jones. Being as mobile as he is, as we saw last week, I think that's the game plan. Keep the ball out of Jalen Hurts' hands. Keep the ball out of A.J. Brown's hands, and that's going to be how they beat him. Yeah, and they also got an extra game against the Eagles starters with mm-hmm. their backups in to really mm-hmm. see how this offense plays. Uh, I don't One think possession game, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very close with Davis Webb, who essentially is the week 18 guy, the guy <laughs> that just gets put out there to play the, the useless game. But... um. Yeah, I think they're, they're more prepared. I, I think Brian Dable, I don't think this is a hot take anymore. I think they're a much better coach team than the Eagles. I shouldn't say much better coach. I think with the talent that the Giants have to be this closely considered with the Eagles and record and playing against them in the playoffs, that's a big uh, pat on the back for Brian Dable. And I think they can play up. You just saw it against the Vikings. Um, and I think it's going to be a lot closer than people want, especially with how we saw them playing Week 18. Yeah, division games always go the way that you don't expect them to go. Teams know each other really well. I'm impressed, although I can't celebrate. You know this, as for my disdain for Doug Peterson in the past, not because he wasn't a glorious human being. It's because he's an Eagles coach in the past. I can't root for that guy. So I can't root for Brian <laughs> Dable if he, you know, I don't care what he was. I yeah, just, but, but they're playing the Eagles. You can't root for somebody. No, I don't even <laughs> want to hear the game. I, this this is two of the fan bases okay. that probably give the Cowboys the hardest time and pr- maybe not the nicest fan base. So let's be honest. Say the Cowboys win, who do you want to play against? I want the Giants all I day. The, I want the Eagles. Are you crazy? <clears throat> yeah, I, I still think the Eagles are a fraud. They're not going to beat Dallas three times. No, you're right. You're right. And normally Dallas splits or dominates. You know, um, that's an interesting question. I listen. If Dallas is not a fraud and actually going to play like they did last week, which I think they're fully capable of, we agree. They can beat the Giants or the Eagles. I mean, 
the challenge is can they beat the AFC teams? Let's talk about that. A game I want to glaze by because, Josh, you called it, and it was literally came down to a dropped Hail Mary that could have put this thing into overtime. But the, the uh, Bengals beat the Ravens 24-17. The Bengals are running out of gas. They don't deserve it. Yeah. I, I mean, we saw it last year, I know. They they went to the Super Bowl. They they were a very good team, obviously. But it speaks a lot to how good their defense is because if they didn't have that fumble uh, for a 98-yard touchdown return, I don't know if they would have won this game. No. Obviously, it's a great play. I think it's the longest return or fumble touchdown in playoff history. And it's because Tyler Huntley didn't listen to John Harbaugh. Essentially, it was a QB sneak, uh, which they did. But he jumped over the top. We know if you don't cross the goal line and you drop the football, it is a fumble. Um, and he did not cross, obviously. it was to, The plan was to go underneath, to go with the O-line, with the running backs behind you, pushed in to the goal line. He did not uh, listen to Harbaugh there. And uh, obviously, without Lamar Jackson, it was too close for comfort for the Bengals, in my opinion. And uh, I think the, or the Ravens could have easily won this game if that situation didn't happen. And obviously, it came down to that 30-yard Hail Mary, uh, which, I don't know, that was just a bad decision throwing into that many guys, in my opinion. Yeah, I think if you are a sane person you would give the ball to your best most efficient running back jk dobbins he is and has been one of the more efficient backs in the league we saw him in this game be very efficient running through people getting first downs taking it when he had no yards given to him he's one of the better players in the league like i said he's averaged over five and a half yards per carry this year in the limited time he's played in his rookie year he averaged six yards a carry and had almost four I think he had 14 touchdowns in his rookie year so one of the best players in the red zone in the NFL and they they didn't use him this game and he was obviously upset he was complaining in the locker room about how the play calling's bad and how he needs to be the guy out there excuse me voice crack but um I, I don't know why you don't give it to him there I, I don't understand it yeah, and I think, as I started out by saying about the Bengals, I kind of started talking about the Ravens afterwards, but the Bengals last season, when we looked at the playoffs, we know they made the Super Bowl. They played against the Raiders and the Titans, who to me were the worst player or worst teams in the AFC playoff race, despite how the Titans were ranked number one. They did get the bye week, so they did get pushed into the next week for free. I think there was a stretch last year where through three games, Joe Burrow had three touchdowns, and it wasn't really him playing well. It was Ryan Tannehill having his worst game of the year. It was the Raiders not playing extremely well. Uh, and it was really just them coming back in the second half off of big plays. And I just think the consistency of this team needs to show against this Bills team. Uh, and to speak about the next matchup, if we're going to move on to the Bills-Bengals matchup, yeah, yeah, we still got to talk about Buffalo, Miami, but is okay. there really anything to talk about? Oh yeah, well I talk about the Dolphins one then. Yeah, uh, no one really respects these Bills receivers. They, it was <laughs> I've I'm been say, saying that all I'm year. I'm saying yeah, you respect Stephon Diggs, right. but like Gabe Davis and everyone else, Khalil Shakir, Cole Beasley, like teams don't respect these guys. Mm-hmm. They're going one on one. They're letting Josh Allen throw 50 yard attempts, and it's not really been working out. But when it does, obviously it's a touchdown. Yeah, but I, I just don't know if defenses are going to respect the the receivers on this team. Uh, much going forward and uh, they really live off of big plays like this was just go ball football for the Buffalo Bills in this game well Caleb one of your big I think knocks against uh, watching our boy Josh Allen is that he tends to throw the ball up 50-50 balls just throw it up there whenever by default like that's like it seems like that's just hey well 50-50 it see if my guy can get under it yeah I think we talked like around week four to six somewhere in the early year or weeks of the year mm-hmm. that their offense looks flat it looks different it doesn't look the same that's because obviously Brian Dable was the brains of that offense and he left he's on the Giants but I think Josh Allen relies a lot on his arm a lot on his arm talent and not a lot on his what the field's showing him he does tend to throw to the guy deep instead of throwing to the wide open check down in front of him I think that the game would have been a blowout if they would have just 
eight down the clock. They didn't do that. They went for the go ball. In the first half, he had two interceptions at the end of the half that gave the Dolphins, I believe, six or ten points. I don't remember if it was two field goals or a touchdown and a field goal. But a lot of points given to the Dolphins for free And when there was three minutes left on the clock at the half. Three minutes on the clock, you run the clock out. You run it out. You maybe get in field goal range, get a field goal. You give the, the Dolphins maybe a two-minute drill at the end, but you don't give them two, three free possessions because you're trying to score more and pad the stats, I understand. But it's a playoff game. You want to win, run the clock out, and win the game. Stop stop doing what you're doing. I don't understand why they did it. And obviously Josh Allen made – he had two interceptions there and made a lot of mistakes. He started 9-10 and 10 for 141 yards and a touchdown and then had two picks after that. So yeah, not consistent. My joke all year long, it, when I say Gabe Davis is their number one, it's because they he can't establish Stephon Diggs sometimes. And he replies – he re, he, re, he relies on big – plays, which is that 50-50 ball. I mean, look at the stat right here. Every receiver, all four of the starting receivers average more than 16 yards a catch. Right. And that's just, that's 50-50. Just throwing it up. That's deep. Yeah, and that, yeah. You're throwing it twice past the sticks every time. But yeah. for every time that they got a catch like that, there's two or three that they didn't catch because he's just throwing it up there. I mean, he's 23 of 39 this game. Yeah, I mean, that's that's why he had the turnovers in this game. And obviously the, res- the results on paper for the receivers were really good. And that's how they scored their touchdowns. But the Dolphins left it open for them, and most of the time they were not able to do anything on offense. They are going three and out, as Caleb said, and they just gave too much time to Skyler at the end. Now, did they shut down Tyreek Hill, or is it safe to say that Waddle and Hill just had atrocious games with this third-string quarterback? I think it's a little bit of everything. I think that Tyreek Hill is playing through an ankle sprain, I believe. He's been for the last two weeks or so. He got shut down by Sauce Gardner last week. Um, Jalen Waddle was playing through a shoulder injury in this game. He had five drops, I believe, in a row. Was playing terrible. Skylar Thompson was putting people, putting the ball in people's numbers, and they were dropping it. Mike Kosecki had three or four bad drops in this game. It was just abysmal receiving play in this game. It was really bad. They were still in it. Their defense kept them in it. It was a one-possession game. Skylar Thompson, I know the stat line's 18 of 45, 220, a touchdown and two picks. That looks terrible. But I, there's way more to that. Mm-hmm. I believe... Ten or more of those balls were dropped that were catchable. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't a fair uh, – what you it's, saw from him wasn't it's fair. It's probably more like 30 for 45, 345, three touchdowns, two picks, if these guys held on to the ball. Yeah, and I think that he threw the, the ball away a lot. Um, they didn't really check down to their running backs, obviously, with mm-hmm. just Jeff Wilson. Jeff Wilson himself had two drops in this game as well. But I think Skyler played uh, pretty well, I think – he obviously had a lot of throwaways. There's a ton of pressure there, so he was really just playing hero ball, trying to keep them in the game. That's where his picks came from. It was like third and deep, like 20 yards. He had to get past the sticks, and uh, instead of just you know getting to a punt, he would force it, and that's really where the picks came. So I think overall he played really well. If you saw the last play for them on offense, he hit uh, Mike Gusecki in the face with the football, <laughs> and uh, his left arm was getting held, so he didn't have the chance to catch it. But um, he had good ball placement, and he played pretty well despite those turnovers and really kept them in this game. So I've heard Dolphin fans say two things, Caleb. One, if their quarterback started, this isn't a ball game. Two, refs got to do a better job. You know, you have an all-pro caliber tight end with one arm trying to make a, a first down catch. And Yeah, there was, there's two calls in this game that were very bad. Um, that one, where his, he clearly his arm's being held. He had to catch with the outside of his hand on his opposite hand, a one-handed ball that was right on his helmet. So that right there should have been a flag. And the second one was just a weird call where Devin Singletary's back crossed the line, but the ball didn't. And they said that the camera and the sticks were not lined up. So he got it. But it's according ridiculous. to the camera, he didn't get it. So yeah. that didn't make any sense. The commentators didn't address it at all. Yeah. So as a fan, someone sitting on the couch, very confusing and 
It didn't look good. <laughs> yeah, I still really don't know what happened in that situation because, I mean, what they were showing us, he never crossed the he line. He literally right, never right. crossed the line. What was it? We were sitting there watching the game, and is it Gallup who made the back of the end zone catch? And he clearly ran out yeah. of bounds. Not clearly. He he very closely. He ran, tapped the line. He, he was out of bounds. Let's say that. And then he comes in, and Joe Buck and Troy Aikman are like, yeah, he might have gone out of bounds, and you know, blah, 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 for now. And we're screaming. Well, he didn't touch the ball first, so he's eligible yeah. because the, the defender, other guy. Carlton Davis got his finger on it, and um, he obviously caught the football after that. So it should be nothing. What's happening with these commentators? They, yeah. Commentators, I don't know what's wrong. The fact this week, they were just, it didn't help you out if you were a fan. No, because. They couldn't explain anything to you. No. Yeah, well, the sticks in the line aren't lined up, and then, well, it's a touchdown for now. I mean, what we need some guys in there that know football, maybe. I, I, I guess mean, <laughs> I guess they just didn't see Carlton Davis hit the football, but. I mean, you didn't see his ring finger move backwards. Yeah, obviously. Turn. That, ru- that overrules you stepping out of bounds. We didn't yes. see it, but we imme- you, Josh, immediately said, or to Caleb, one of you said, he didn't touch the ball first, so it's good. It's going to be good. But again, these they guys get paid years big money. after that. <laughs> I think the best, I hate to say it, like I like Romo. He likes to ramble a little bit. I was never a big Jim Nance fan because he did golf and he's kind of boring to me, but I like him with Romo. I've always defended Buck and Aikman. You know, Aikman's the biggest cowboy hater on the planet for some reason, <laughs> which drives me crazy. But your boy and um, Olsen. Kevin Burkhart. Burkhart and Olsen, great. they need to do more games. Yeah. They're, they're fantastic. Tariko and Collinsworth are good. Yep. Tariko makes them great. But Burkhart and Olsen, they're one of they the best. They should be the prime time because uh, they should. They're fa- and Olsen would have caught that. He'd have been like, hey, he wasn't he the first He always breaks guy. down everything. He's great. Yeah. No, he did a lot in this game, especially uh, that was the best game of the week I mean, in terms of commentary. Uh, the worst one was uh, Al Michaels and Tony Dungy. Oh, like, my goodness. I, you could fall asleep I watching that, that game. game. There's a running joke in our house that I think the shape of, of uh, Coach's head, uh, Dungy, and his ears look like an old Nosferatu vampire. Look it up. Google it. You'll, you'll agree. And I love the guy, but he does look like a Nosferatu. So <laughs> I couldn't believe he was calling a game with Al Michaels, who admittingly is disgusted with calling games in the NFL this year <laughs> over gameplay. So you have yeah. Nosferatu and Mr. I'm Disgusted with the NFL. It was not a good... And I love Al Michaels. It was, He's a legend. It was slow oh, they're both great. It's just slow This game was oh. the age was there. Oh I mean, my gosh. this was old commentary. Yeah. Like it was, they needed the two point conversion for a chance to win with a field goal. And he gets they the two point it. conversion. And they, they got, got it. it. Yeah, that's great. They yeah. did. There was no excitement. The and then they won the game, and they're like, they came back. Woo. We need to go live one time and do something. If Maybe anyone, Pro Bowl just or look something. up Mike Tirico's call when the Bengals got that fumble in the end zone and ran it back. Mike screaming. His voice is cracking. He's freaking out. Yeah. What a commentator should do when something good happens in a game. Yeah, that's crazy. We saved the best for last, uh, just to set up on this. And, guys, we need to think of a time when we can go live with something. That'd be fun. Maybe the draft or something. That'd be be fun to have some hot mics for in the draft and, and simulcast it. But uh, So let me set this up for you. we got a game where Jacksonville comes in, and they're, they're underdogs playing at home because they're, they're the, uh, they've won their division. And they're not playing well. Our guy throws four picks. Uh, we're all kind of busy. I hate to say we're not watching the game as thoroughly, but don't worry. We watch these games even after if we miss them. But I'm watching it and got to get up early. So right after they come out and throw the first touchdown, Josh, you come in there and you, you're looking at me. And I said, yeah, he threw four picks, but they just scored. And Josh said to me, we already know the Chargers are going to lose. And he shook my hand and went to bed. <laughs> and so I wake <laughs> up in the middle of the night and check the score, 31-30, Jacksonville wins the game. Caleb, I know you've been a closet Jacksonville fan. Let me say this for the record, Since the Bortle days. Since the good old (laughs) Blake Bortle. We are football fans. If there's no Cowboys or Steelers or whoever you think we root for, whoever we say we root for, we're rooting for Trevor Lawrence. We're rooting for Pat Mahomes. Like We love the game, and I think that's why we do this. 
Trevor Lawrence, 28 for 47, 288 yards, four touchdowns, four interceptions, and more importantly, first uh, playoff appearance, first win for Trevor Lawrence. Are you excited for this kid? I think so. I think it shows the type of player that he is and the maturity he has to go out and have four straight picks, essentially. Played like the terrible. four missed field goals. It was one of the worst quarterback halves in the playoffs ever. He played very bad. But then to come out of the locker room, bounce back, throw over 200 yards that half, have four touchdowns, play almost perfect football, and all of your receivers have over – or your top three receivers, Evan Ingram had 90 yards, Christian Kirk 78, Zay Jones 74 – all scored all touchdowns. Scored, yeah. Marvin Jones scored a touchdown. Travis Etienne had 100 yards. Just the mindset and the coaching that's there that Trevor Lawrence could come out and still act like it's a new game and play that type of football. He's a great quarterback, and that they're going to go a long way in the future. I've said all along, this year has been a journey for me not hating Doug Peterson. You know, I don't want to hate him, but he was an Eagles coach, and I hold a grudge. Forgive me. Um, he coached the best game of the year. I've never seen a game. He should be with the, the coach of the year. Yeah, the, 100%. And if he wasn't already... Uh, comeback coach, coach, whatever they want to give him. Man of the year, I don't care. This guy kept a second-year quarterback who had no self-esteem last year on this team literally in the game by just saying, how you feeling, how you doing? Let's go out there and win the game. And it was never a question to stick to the plan. And, man, that was that's impressive. Yeah, this was a great game. You saw both sides from Trevor Lawrence. You saw basically the first half of just – interceptions, and then you saw the complete opposite with four touchdowns, as you said, 300 passing yards. At, I mean, these free agent acquisitions we didn't talk a ton about. Evan Ingram, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, like they're all not crazy good acquisitions, but Trevor Lawrence and how he's playing is getting the best out of these guys. Caleb covered the stat lines, uh, and it's really helped to have Travis Etienne back on this team. Uh, he might not be the best receiver. He might drop a lot of footballs. He might fumble a lot, but the, his big playability and the play makes or the plays that he made in this game were just great. He saw the fourth down run, uh, fourth and one, where he took it all the way on the edge for 20 yards. It was just it was a great game on offense for them, uh, despite the first half. And um, obviously the Chargers situation, we saw them fire Joe Lombardi as a result of this, their offensive coordinator. Um, the Chargers on offense just did not help out their defense. Uh, it was a poor game. You saw the defensive players getting upset. You saw Joey spe- Joey Bosa especially. And um, the Chargers offense just has to do something because this is a game where they should have easily dropped 40 points uh, with how they had in the first half with 27. And uh, obviously just zero or three points in the second half, that's, that's terrible. Yeah, I think as a – I never played – but obviously, if you come back from a game like this, you're down mm-hmm. 27. Mm-hmm. You come back and win the game in the half. This puts hope in your team, mm-hmm. belief in the locker room. You feel unstoppable. You can beat anybody down no matter what. And they're mm-hmm. playing the Chiefs at home. The Chiefs, they've lost to some bad teams this year. They lost to the Colts. They were one possession with the Broncos, who have been playing poorly. It's just not – I don't know. The Chiefs have kind of been in a slump. Even though they've been winning these games, I think Mahomes has been playing kind of in a slump lately. I've been saying it for like two months now. But this is a game. It's not going to be – I don't think it's a given. I think the way that the Jacksonville Jaguars are playing right now, the Chiefs, eh, maybe off the bye, they're sitting back comfy a little bit. I don't know. I think this is going to be a close game. All right, well, let's unpack. This is going into the divisional round, super divisional round. No, just divisional round, as you know. And um, it's going to be it's going to be a good one. I, I think I have more questions than answers, but let's go ahead and, and give everybody our picks. New York football giants and Eagles, uh, what do you guys think? What is your what is your suggestions? I can give you the line if you like, but who are you picking here in this game? I'll go on a, a branch, a limb again, and say the Giants. I don't think that they lose to the Eagles three times in one year. I think that's crazy. I don't think that's possible. I think that the Giants are playing great. Daniel Jones is very mobile. 
The Eagles have struggled against the run, as we saw against the Texans in a one-possession game and a Cooper Rush team and the Cowboys in a one-possession game. So I don't think that it's impossible to beat the Eagles. I think that they, obviously Jalen Hurts is back. It's going to be a close game. But I think Saquon Barkley, as well as Daniel Jones, could turn this game into a win if they dominate time of possession. So I'm going to pick the Giants. Philly's currently up seven and a half points. I'm picking uh, the Giants. Yeah, so you're going with the upset. Josh? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I don't feel good about this. I think this is going to be closer <laughs> than people probably expect. Yeah. But I think the Eagles will win. Um, I think something to talk about this season, Jalen Hurts has been fantastic. But looking at Daniel Jones, uh, look at their numbers here. Daniel Jones has 3,500 yards on the season. 17 touchdowns, five interceptions. You're like, well, that's not a lot. That's because he has a lot on the ground. He has over 700 yards and seven touchdowns. Jalen Hurts, only 3,700 passing yards. I know he missed a couple of games, but only 200 more yards and only five more passing touchdowns. Very similar rushing numbers, both within 700 rushing yards and 12 touchdowns. There's a few more there. So it's not been a crazy different between the two. Uh, Mistake-free football for both of them. Uh, I think it's a very similar gameplay for both teams, and uh, you just hope that the running game can really get started for the Eagles with Miles Sanders and Boston Scott because that's going to be the real uh, turn for them. And uh, obviously the Giants' uh, biggest thing is guarding the two receivers versus you know the one Justin Jefferson last week. Josh, over under that Boston Scott scores a touchdown in this game? Oh, it's 100%. <laughs> you can bet your life savings Boston Scott's going to score giant a touchdown. The Giant killer. He has scored Gosh. against the Giants the last like eight games. Well, I'm going to break it by saying you've got Giants despite the points. You've got Eagles despite the points. I say it's too close to call for me because of the divisional game. I think it could be bloody. Uh, I think Eagles don't cover the spread, but I'm not committing to them not winning. So I'm staying neutral. Mm. I think the Giants. So you're taking the Eagles. <laughs> I think the Eagles win by less than seven and a half. But you know, hey, yeah, I don't. It's, I, our, it's our show. We can. I pick don't it think it should surprise you with how the Giants have played. They're an extremely hot team. You saw how they played against them week 18. They've played up against every single team. Like despite the talent comparisons, like this is a much more talented Eagles team across the board. Um, yeah, but they're not as well coached as the Giants. No, have but been. I'm saying it shouldn't surprise you despite the differences in talent. I think it's a trap game. For, for the Eagles, I think they come in very confident with their cushy season. I don't hate the Eagles. I, I You know, I'm a big fan of Jalen Hurts. Yeah. I don't have a problem with his coach. I just think that they've been coasting all year, and they thought, we'll rest our guy and we'll be fine. I yeah. hope that's the case for them, but I don't think it is. Yeah, and we'll see how – I mean, he just missed a couple of games – with his injury, and now he just had another week off because of the bye week, obviously. We'll see how he does coming off of that and how the team reacts. 49ers are favored at home by four points. Uh, my heart tells me Dallas can can do this. This is a great matchup, and if things go their way... Honestly, let me tell you what my heart says. My heart says that we can exploit a rookie quarterback, and if Dak plays the way he played... So I'm going with Dallas. I'm picking with my heart. I'm going to as well pick Dallas, but for different reasons, I think... Dak Prescott only has to play mistake-free in this game. I know it's going to be difficult. I know it's going to be a close game. I hope it will be a close game because both teams are so evenly matched. Statistically, defensively, however you want to say it, Dak just needs to outscore a rookie. I think there's right now there's a 50% chance that an NFC East team goes to the Super Bowl because there's three of them left. So that's 75% chance. No, it's 50 because yeah. only it, one wins from each of these games. That's true. Yeah, so 50% chance from here. I, would, I like those odds. I think Dallas, I, I think I'm a homer maybe. But I think statistically, it's a wash, and mm-hmm. I, I like Dallas more, so I'm picking Dallas. Yeah, to me, I'm also going to be picking Dallas. Um, these are two top five teams this year. I know the Cowboys probably had more down weeks, obviously, with how the, the Niners have essentially won, I think, 10 regular season, one playoff game in a row, 11 games in a row. That's hard to beat, but I think you saw 
the mistakes that Brock Purdy has. It's not his stats and his play isn't all him. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's yeah. the Great yard after system. the catch. It's mm-hmm. it's the five talented players you have around you. I mean, they have two talented running backs who've scored touchdowns each in every single game they've played. Um, obviously, Elijah Mitchell being hurt in a couple of those, but um. There's just talent across the board, and I think the mistakes that Brock Purdy made, a couple of throws that were off, a, a few passes, like two or three, that were easily interceptable against the Seahawks. I don't think the Cowboys are going to leave those on the table like the Seahawks. I think they're going to take advantage, and I think you'll see big games out of your star players for the Cowboys, and I think this pressure from Micah Parsons, and I think Demarcus Lawrence probably have a good game not playing against Trent Williams. Um, I think it's going to be a great game for the Cowboys, and I think it'll be the best game for the Cowboys and the worst for Brock Purdy. The only thing that concerns me about Dallas is we've been a triage on defense, and we keep signing veterans to our practice squad yep. and elevating them into the game. And I'm a little – like, Curse hopefully will come back. We've just been a triage, you know, and getting Van Der Esch back was great. He made a big play in the yep. end zone, and we'll see. They're finally all healthy. I know Jaron got hurt in this game. Mm-hmm. He's probably going to miss this game as well, but they're finally healthy in comparison. Like, their offensive line's completely back – so it should be a completely healthy Cowboys team. Micah Parsons doesn't have his uh, mitt on anymore, so <laughs> it should be good. Shin splints. Yeah. All right, let's go to the other side of the ball. We've said the Bengals are a fraud, running out of momentum, and the Bills are also not playing their best football. Who do you pick in a game like this in Buffalo? I think this is the next two weeks for the AFC are great PR weeks. I think you get the rematch of the DeMar Hamlin game. Obviously, I think he walks them out in the field and they get some all hype before the game. Ooh, that'll be awesome. It'll be a good... Good moment for the NFL, and then I think the Bills dominate. I think they win this game, just so that rematch against the Chiefs happened in the AFC Championship. Mm-hmm. So I'm picking the Bills. And the Chiefs, apparently. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Buffalo or Bengals, Josh? To me, I'm going to pick the Buffalo Bills. Um, I just don't like how the Bengals played last week. I know the Bills didn't play fantastic, but I do think they played better than the Bengals, and I do think Josh Allen plays better in the playoffs than Joe Burrow. I think Josh Allen and Mahomes, they both have the most touchdowns through their amount of games. Um, I don't remember how many games it was, but they're, they're t- they have the most for any quarterback in NFL history through their first games. Uh, I believe it's 17 or now 20. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, he's just been a better quarterback than Joe Burrow in the playoffs. They they seem to score 30-plus points every single week for the most part. And um, I just think defensively the Bengals really need something out of their defense, and I don't think Josh Allen's going to give up the ball quite like he did last week. So I'm going to pick the Buffalo Bills at home. And obviously the DeMar Hamlin situation, he's been with, in the facility every day recently. Mm-hmm. He's going to be there for the game. So extra hype for them going into this game. Yeah, five and a half's not enough. Buffalo should come in and demolish the Bengals. Now, again, there's always a chance any given Sunday, and we love that about the NFL. So we're going Bengals across the board. Final game? Bills. Bills. I'm sorry, we're going Bills. We're going Bills across the board. Final game. Kansas City's favorite at home against Jacksonville. Gabe, you alluded you think it's going to be a KC-Buffalo rematch for the uh, AFC Championship game. You're sticking with Kansas City. Yeah, I think that makes the most sense. I think that Jacksonville... They have hope, they have belief, they have a great system, they've been playing great, they've been dropping 30 points a game the past few weeks. Trevor Lawrence has been one of the better statistical quarterbacks in the league this year. But Arrowhead's a hard place to go and win. Yeah. I think Andy Reid's been ready for this. Obviously their bye week, they've been looking at film, they just watched the primetime game of Jacksonville, they know what to expect, they know what to do. Uh, whatever they did in the first quarter, the Chargers did for Lawrence, Is that what they, that's what they have to do this game. I think it's Arrowhead, that's the biggest factor. If it was in a neutral field, I think I'd pick Jacksonville, mm-hmm. but I think the home field advantage here wins. Okay. 
Yeah, well, they played previously this season, the Jags and the Chiefs, and it was a slow offensive game for the Jaguars, but they don't look they don't look at all the same right now in comparison to that game and their offense. They're a substantially better offense, and uh, it was only a 10-point game then. Um, I'm not going to pick the Jaguars. I'm going to pick the Chiefs, but uh, to me, I would love to see the Jaguars go through, um, and I think, honestly, if they beat the Chiefs in a high-scoring game like they have, they've come back against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens in a 30-point game. They've come back against uh, Dallas Cowboys in a 30-point game. They had to score 35-36 in that game. They came back against the Chargers last week putting up 30. They can really turn it on, and they can really play like the top team in the NFL. And I think if they can do that in this game, they can win. But I'm going to pick the Chiefs in this one, and um, I'm, I'm just rooting for the Jags. I think if the Jags do beat the Chiefs, though, I do think they're making the Super Bowl. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that Kansas City is the best coach team in football still. Give respect to Andy Reid. Their quarterback proved without his biggest weapon, Tyreek Hill, that he can still put up stellar numbers. Uh, this team is rolling. I'll be shocked if they're not super prepared. And being at Arrowhead, hey, man, it's been a tough stadium to win since the 60s, you know? Yeah, and I think the biggest thing is Pat Mahomes only plays offense. I mean, their defense has been good. I think they're uh, mid. I think they're 16th in the NFL. So they're not really a top 10 defense yeah. like these other teams in the playoffs. But... um. They're the number one offense. They put up the most points per game, and that's really what needs to be stopped by the Jaguars. The Jaguars' defense has been outstanding, by the way. Um, I mean, the Chargers only had three points in the second half, and a lot of their points in the first half were from turnovers. And um, if they can play like that, maybe they can shut down Mahomes for a little bit. But um, we've seen Mahomes uh, beat a a large deficit in the playoffs. We saw it against the Texans a couple years ago. They were down, what, 30 points, and they came back. Or not 30 points, but 20 points. Mm -hmm. And they came back in that one as well. So we'll see. So just zoom out and look at all the matchups. This is probably one of the better weeks of football we've had in years. Yeah. Because when you think about it, you have the rivalry of the Giants and the Eagles, which is going to be great. The classic NFC Championship-style rivalry of the Cowboys and 49ers. Yes, the remake of the catch. Yeah. You have the DeMar Hamlin replay, which are both high-powered offense. It's going to be a high-scoring game, hopefully. Then you have a revived team in the Jaguars, who were the worst team in the league last year, too. A the, top, the best, a top, yeah. the best yeah. team in the last couple of years. <laughs> a top eight team in the league now. So against the MVP, Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to claim it right now and speak it into existence. But this is going to be one of the better weeks of football we've seen in probably years. Great matchups, great games, great players, all these teams. It's just going to be a good week. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I think. I think the one disappointing part, and tell me if I'm wrong, is if Casey and Buffalo win like we think they are, they're going to have to go to Mercedes in Atlanta to play this thing. Oh, yeah. Which I think is a, it's a crime. <laughs> you know, I think it's a crime. What if it's Buffalo and Dallas well, and Atlanta? Well, the rematch of a rematch. Yeah, I know. But I say that because the Chiefs didn't do anything wrong, and there's still there's no way Buffalo could have caught them at this point, you know? So I, I, I think it's a fraud. I think they should be playing an arrowhead. Yeah, what we're really rooting for here is a Jaguars-Giants Super Bowl. That would be... <laughs> no, I'm not watching that. If Dallas gets to play the Giants and loses to them, I'll be mad. <laughs> Giants-Jags? I mean, if Dallas loses to the 49ers... The Super Bowl, where is it at this year? Arizona. Arizona. Oh, I thought it was Atlanta, my bad. No, if Dallas loses... I botched it. Yeah, that was the Super Bowl I was at in Yeah, I know. I thought they were redoing that. Yeah. If, if it's Buffalo-Dallas, I'm going for Dallas again a thousand times because <laughs> I've seen this four times and I know how that went. Maybe um, our kicker will miss four times in the game and not there. Wide oh, right, Lord. Scott Norwood. <laughs> yeah, that was against the Giants, ironically. So we have some chances that it could be Buffalo-Dallas, Buffalo-Giants, both teams they've lost to in the Super Bowl in the past 100 years ago. Either way you look at it, the divisional round is, is set up. Uh, it's going to set up a great conference round for the uh, conference championships the following week. Uh, stay tuned. We've got lots happening. We're going to talk about it again. We'll see you next week. 
If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please tell a friend and help us spread the word. We've set up our online shop at guyswithouthelmets.com where you can get your own Guys Without Helmet gear. We also post a weekly video on YouTube, so please stop by and give us a like and subscribe to our channel. Finally, if you want up-to-date information and news as it breaks, please follow us on Instagram. As always, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Guys Without Helmets. Guys Without Helmets.